When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Dishes and Dimes. Uh, my name is Katie Heindel, uh, and I'm joined today by my co-host, the lovely Sandy. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. How are you? I'm good. What the people can't see is Sandy is bundled up uh, in a beautiful, soft blanket. She's glowing from the this, this, uh, the little bit of sun that we got a Toronto night right now coming in the windows all on her. She looks just like an angel folks. Uh, no guys, it's, <laughs> you know, I'm, uh, recovering from COVID. So it's like the sickness, um, slowly, you know, coming off of me. Um, and I'm bundled up cause it's really cold and I hate being in Toronto in the winter. So, um, I'm not glowing at all, but I'll take the compliment. Thanks Katie. No, you're welcome. I was just trying to, I was trying to put a spin on it. You know, I was trying to change the narrative. <laughs> a nice PR spin. Yeah. <laughs> I um, look crazy right now. Don't listen to her. <laughs> she looks great. <laughs> but I, I think like, I guess narrative is kind of a good place to start uh, because it's really impossible to get away from the idea of narrative uh, in talking about this next guy. Clay Thompson is coming back tonight for his first game uh, in the NBA, something like 29 months. I think it's like 941, 941 or 42 days is like the exact number of days I saw Mm -hmm. just has been gone for a long time. If I I wrote something about it um, for my Substack basketball feelings, but when I was, trying to write about it, I was like, what was actually happening in the world the last right. time they played basketball? I mean, obviously there was no COVID, which is wild in its own right. Um, right. But yeah. The Raptors won a championship. The Raptors had just won a championship. <laughs> the Raptors looked like they could potentially win another one. That's that next season. But yeah, like it, it's been so long since Clay Thompson has set foot uh, on an NBA court He'll be back tonight. I'm thrilled. I'm a little bit nervous. I'm trying to like get that out of my head because I know that's not how Clay Thompson would approach it. And we shouldn't look at it like that. But um, Sandy, I was just wondering what, like, what do you think about this? It's crazy to think that like the world was completely different the last time he was on a court. Like, like you said, no pandemic. The Raptors literally just won a championship. Um, We still had Kawhi Leonard as a player True. on our team. Kyle was still a part of our team. Um, it's just so much has changed. And I, I'm curious to see what he looks like on this Warriors team. Like, obviously, he's played with the Clay, with, um, sorry, with Steph and, and mm-hmm. Dre. Um, but it's going to be interesting to see how they implement him into the system, if it's going to be kind of like, easy because he's played with these guys for years or it's going to be something that he has to adjust to um, just because he hasn't played that level of basketball in in two years. Um, 
so I'm excited, but I'm nervous for him. Like, I can't imagine what's running through his mind at the moment, right? Like, yeah. Uh, I mean, he was kind of upset that he wasn't in the top 75 players, NBA players of all time. And I, I, I think maybe he's coming back with a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. Uh, so I'm going to, I'm interested to see how he approaches uh, the game um, now that he's coming back from an injury and obviously an injury that's going to be um, probably reoccurring for the rest of his career, something he's going to have to um, take care of. Um, so I wonder how that's going to affect him moving forward. Yeah, I mean, the guy suffered like the two worst injuries and substantial injuries. Um, a professional athlete and certainly a professional basketball player can really suffer. Uh, and I think, you know, something we do keep hearing about too, and I think something the Warriors recognize is the fact that like, you know, their superstar core is aging, right? Like Steph Curry, Draymond Green, Clay Thompson, without the injuries, these guys are getting older. And I, I think they recognize it in a more tangible way because you look at who they brought in as coaches this past summer, like Raptors, like former Raptors developmental coach, Shama Malayla, they brought in, mm-hmm. I always forget his name, but they brought in like Nikola Jokic's coach, like <laughs> developmental coach from Serbia. Right. You know, they yeah. brought in Kenny Atkinson. They brought in coaches that are really focused um, on development. And they're looking at James Wiseman. They're looking at Jonathan Kaminga, as well as this kind of what last year looked like just a ragtag group of like <laughs> nobodies are now yeah. tearing it up. Right. And then you, you, yeah. you haven't even like seen Clay back in that mix. So I think it's kind of interesting. I, I like your point of, of of him coming in with a chip on his shoulder. I don't think that's a bad way to come back into the game. But I also wonder, something like that's got to sort of humble you, I think, as an athlete. Um, not to say Clay was ever really like an egotistical kind of player, which I think we're going to get to. Uh, but mm. like, I wonder if how he's kind of looking at the perspective of like these next, you know, however many years of his career down the road um, and where he sort of, as you said, like where he fits into this team, because he's a vet now, but he's got to come back and like get full strength and kind of recalibrate and figure out how he fits in with what is basically like next gen warriors, but still Steph Curry's warriors. Right. Yeah. Right. It's it's interesting because, they're in a they're in an interesting spot where they they still have the dominance of of Steph, but are they going to start skewing towards focusing on the young guys? Um, how how much time do you give these these older guys to kind of rock and, and and do their thing before you decide? Okay, we've developed these young guys to a point where they should um, they should start running the offense on, on occasion. Like where does that tipping point um, happen? So I'm really mm-hmm. curious. I think the Warriors are in a really interesting spot because typically um, the position that they're in, you usually see like a, a fall off from the older guys, the veterans, but obviously it doesn't seem like that's happening with Steph anytime soon. And so again, like, how much time do you give the young guys to develop? How much time do you focus on the young guys to develop and how much of your attention is focused on being contenders and, and um, possibly winning another championship? Like, is that something that they're really focused on at this point? Cause if it is, then you kind of have to let, you know, the Kamingas, um, you know, sit by the wayside and, um, and, and, and let um, the older guys rock and see if they can get another one. Um, on their belt. So I, I'm I'm kind of curious to see which way to decide to, to go. And with Clay coming back, 
like you said, it does humble a player like that, mm-hmm. that you, you know, you've won X amount of championships. It's a, it's, you know, pretty much a dynasty. And then this crazy injury um, that could potentially end your career. Wonder what your approach is, um, you know, once you get the opportunity to play again. So uh, it's going to be very interesting. And uh, I'm, I'm really excited for Clay. I'm really nervous for Clay. Um, and I'm really interested to see what the team looks like um, and how they they adjust to having him back in the in the lineup. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I was looking at like some of Clay's stats uh, when I was writing that story. And I think what struck me is like Clay Thompson to me, he absolutely deserved to be on that list. But when you look at Clay Thompson's stats year over years, you're not like, okay, he's a lights out shooter. You know, you're not like, oh, he's just like, he's like, he's helping his teammates at all times, like and leading in assists or just like, you know, he, he is one of those players that his capabilities do not really show up like across his stat line. Um, and, and I think some, like a player like that is obviously really hard to categorize, right? Uh, I think players are all moving in that direction. Like the modern NBA player has to be so versatile in all things, right? Like you can't just be a big, you gotta be a stretch big, you gotta shoot threes, you gotta guard, um, you gotta be disruptive, you have to be super athletic. Like, and if, you know, God forbid you don't have the body type of like, I'd say 80% of the Toronto Raptors, <laughs> Who can do that kind of stuff with ease then you got to make up for it in other ways but i think right. it's it's kind of interesting when you think about it because clay thompson was almost this prototypic player like that before mm-hmm. you know that era that we're in right. now really started to get ushered in and, and he's always played like that you know like you notice him more when he's not on the floor which is i think right what the warriors really missed from him um right. i think i think they're absolutely going to try for a championship this season. Like they seem like they've got the energy for it. Like they seem like, you know, touch wood, everybody stays healthy. And like, I mean, COVID's obviously a huge factor this season. Um, But like you look even at like Otto Porter Jr. Like that's a guy that throughout his entire career, I'm like, man, I just like, like him. I just like, I want him to do well, but it's just like, it was a mess in Chicago. Like he couldn't. Yeah. Yeah. It just, it never seemed to work out for him, but now he's just like, he's their go-to guy, you know? And he's, he also just like looks phenomenal. So it's interesting to me because, and I know people might hate to hear this, but, and and it's also funny because it's not like the warriors need like the sympathy. Um, But the way that they kind of brought all these random dudes together sort of yeah. reminds me of what like Toronto does <laughs> in its developmental, you right. know, strategies. Um, and again, the Warriors don't need to like be humble. They are always going to be lucrative and attractive and draw superstar players. But now they kind of have the benefit of like a superstar core plus like making diamonds out of all these right. like rough <laughs> right. gems. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they got a perfect mixture and then they have location. So, I mean, I th- I think they're going to be a great team for a very, very, very long time. You see Kaminga doing what he's doing and you're just like, oh, like, damn, <laughs> they, get, they, they get everything. They do get um, everything. <laughs> so, yeah, no, I just, I'm just really excited to see where the Warriors, uh, where the Warriors go from here and um, crossing fingers and toes for Clay that he stays healthy the rest of the season and he's able to play up to the level that we know that he can. 
Yeah. The league is just a better, it is like a better place with Clay Thompson in it. I know people say that about the Knicks, like the league's better when the Knicks are competitive, but I don't, it's really not. I don't agree. <laughs> level don't. of like likability too, which um, moving on from our dish, which was Clay Thompson, I do want to touch on something that um, Iman actually said and has been since, uh, you know, reverberating, I'd say. Hoppy. Yeah, I was being, yeah, I was being polite, but yeah, you know, straight up copied um, on Twitter. But what uh, Iman said was she couldn't really think of a player uh, other than Clay Thompson who kind of goes across fandoms, franchises, and is just so widely beloved in the NBA. Uh, And that made me think like, who are actually those other players? And in some ways are those generational players or do they get to exist, you know, in tandem with, with other guys of that caliber? Hmm, that's an interesting question. Like, I don't, I think there's only, maybe the other player I can really think of that's the love same, I don't know. I don't know another player that's beloved in the same way that a Clay, like he's just not a controversial player, right? Like he just goes on court, on the court, hits his threes and, you know, he's just, he minds his business. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think every other near generational player or like great player, um, there's always like a, a con to their personality, right? Like you have a Kawhi who's like literally a robot and does not talk to anybody. <laughs> and so you either love that he absolutely does not care about media. Or you can't stand that you don't know enough about him. And then you have Steph who is like, He's the definition of a humble brag, right? Like, yes. He's like the living embodiment of a humble brag, right? Like, he comes off very humble, and then you actually watch him play, and you're like, this man is not humble at all. And he doesn't need to be, but it, you know, that could throw you off if you're not necessarily a fan of that. You have a LeBron who's dominated for 50, 100 years, and it gets to a point where you're like, okay, I'm over it. You're 30, you're like 40, like, it's time to let it go. Let somebody else, like, you know, there's always something that's driving you to dislike um, a player and Clay just doesn't have that. And I don't know, I can't think of another player in the NBA that people feel that way about. So I think he's in a very interesting spot. I think the fact that he plays next to Steph and he bounce, he plays off Steph as well as he does, he's able to put up his numbers well at, and at the same time, never, ever really takes the spotlight off of Steph, which I think people really enjoy. He just seems to have a great personality. So I don't necessarily think that there is going to be another player that you love as much as Clay. right? He doesn't take the attention off his superstar buddy. He's just as, he's, you know, if, if not as great, you know, a step below Steph in terms of greatness. And he just kind of does his thing. He minds his business. And I don't think there's another star in the league that you could say that about. So, Yeah, yeah. because he's, he really still know. is also like, he has this gregarious personality too, right? And like, that's what makes him, I think, endearing, like extra endearing to, to people. Because like, when I think of other, like across the board, likable players, um, like if I, you know, like a Mike Conley, for example. Mike Con- Conley is like beloved, but he's just kind of like a 
he, you know, he's like not a larger than life personality. He's just like, he's the nicest guy. Right. In the NBA. Yeah. He's Mike Conley. Um, and I guess like by virtue of being right. the nicest guy in the NBA, you know, you're not, you're not like a, a Clay Thompson style of like character. Um, I think maybe like, I mean, Dirk, who just like had his jersey retired, maybe like uh, he's like at that kind of level, obviously not in the NBA now. Um, but I think yeah. maybe this is like a more, we talk about generational players a lot, I think too much, but maybe <laughs> this is like a new kind of generational <laughs> player I could get behind more, like a likable <laughs> generational beloved player. A likable one. Yeah, there isn't, <laughs> there isn't many of them. There's always something that you're just like, uh, yeah, no, I could see why somebody would dislike this player, but there isn't really much about Clay that you could dislike. What is there to dislike, you know? So, yeah, I don't really shout know. out to Clay at all. Yeah, I, can't. I mean, like once a questionable goatee, but like now that's gone. <laughs> <laughs> so he's grown, you know. But everyone like, experiments, right? So, yeah. you know, everyone's allowed to experiment once in a while. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I it's like I'm gonna keep thinking about this. I actually don't like it is a very intriguing thing to me because I think likability is something that changes from franchise to franchise. It changes by virtue of like how, what, how you watch the game and what you value in the NBA players that you like, you know, whether it's like an analytics driven experience for you, whether you just like watching really cool guys do really cool things on court, you know, um, but Clay's kind of all of the above. Um, but I, I Moving into, I guess this kind of sticks with, this kind of sticks with what we were talking about earlier with the Warriors and whether, and like what they're going to try and do this season. Uh, is that going to be pushing for a title? You know, they're just like, they're a game behind the Suns. They look like the old Warriors in the way that they are just taking their time. They are in no rush. They know the like feel and rhythm of a regular season, how long it is. They know how long it and right. hard it is to get to the postseason and stay healthy and then be competitive in the postseason. But right. I wanted to ask you, Sandy, what do you think of this kind of dichotomy between like the Eastern Conference and the Western Conference? Because the East has surprised me. We've talked about this before, like how surprising yeah. the East has been this season, you know, and the West conversely has been off to a pretty sluggish start. I'd say aside from like the Suns, the Warriors and the Jazz. Like the Lakers are a mess. The Nuggets aren't looking so good. I don't know what is happening with the Clippers. Blazers are just gone. Um, And the Grizzlies are kind of on the Clippers. Yeah. yeah. The Grizzlies are just like erratic Uh, and all over the place. But, you know, in the East, you got the Bulls at the top. Nets are trailing. Heat, Bucks, Sixers, Cavs. Like now the Raptors, Hornets. Like wizards have taken a bit of a dive from where they were starting in the season at very shocking, like number mm-hmm. one, but all these teams are so close, right? Like few games behind. Yeah. Um, they're just like jost- jostling a ton in the standings. Do you think that the East is sustainable? Because a lot of these teams also, aside from like the bucks and the Sixers, a little bit, the heat, like playoff, the playoffs are a different animal for a lot of these teams. Like they're not used to being in this kind of contention and it is a long season and to stay winning, you know, especially with like COVID coming in and out of rosters, basically. Do you think that 
the energy in the East is sustainable? And do you think the West is going to kind of annoyingly catch up and overtake the East? Uh, I don't know. Right. Like I I've been thinking about it and a part of me wants to believe that it's not necessarily sustainable. Right. Like no one could have guessed that the, that the bulls would be number one in the East going into the season. Um, And I, as much as I do think that the, the bulls are like a real, you know, a real team, a real contender, do I think that they're going to end up winning the championship? No, I don't. Um, The heat have been a lot better than expected. The bucks have been dealing with a lot of injuries. And so I'm not quite sure where they're going to stand towards the end of the, the season. The Raptors are just becoming, you know, getting getting healthy. And so we don't really know what that team looks like mm-hmm. um, for an extended period of time, like being healthy. So I can't even really speak on. So I think I want to say, I think the West gets a little bit healthier. Chemistry is established on some of these teams like the Lakers, because, again, they've their players in and out of of that roster all year. Um, And they haven't had time to really gel Um, on top of like AD being injured. They've just had a lot of things that haven't in their favor. Um, I do think that the Lakers will probably figure it out because I'm never going to bet again. Um, But on top of that, I just feel like once, you know, a lot of these teams get out of protocol and they have time to build chemistry, um, and they had time to gel that we're going to see this, the teams that we expected to see. Again, COVID just ma- has made things really, really interesting in the sense that you just never know which player is going to be out on a given night. Mm-hmm. And I really do, do think that's affected the way that the West. Um, so is the East sustainable? I don't know. I don't think it's an I don't think, I think it's better. I think the East is a lot better than it has been in previous years. I don't think we could um, diminish the fact that the the East has gotten significantly better as a whole, but I do think that the West is going to eventually catch up. There's just too many superstars in the West for, for that not to happen. So mm-hmm. um, that's kind of where I'm at. Yeah, that's kind of like, that's a pretty good way to encapsulate it because I think, you know, in the East, you've got this idea I mean, I'm sure some people might call it a fantasy, but like this idea of parity in a real sense of like a lot of these teams are either coming off fresh starts or like very recent, you know, kind of rebuild, like retooling seasons. Like I'm thinking about, I mean, the Hawks, I didn't even mention the Hawks, but the Hawks are 12th right now. But like what the Hawks were kind of trying to do, maybe they'll come back. They've also just been like hammered by COVID like everybody else. Um, But, you know, like Charlotte, that's a team where like you look at a player, I don't mean like you, you look at, of course, like LaMelo, but then they've got Miles Bridges who's like, this is his fourth season there. And now he's in a starting role and he's just like having, like he's having a career season and like across the board with everything. But, and that team is sort of structured in a way now to really like take off defensively. They, they could improve, but they're right. like a bunch of like offensive gunners, right? Like number one in pace, I think super fast, super keen. Yeah. And like, I think of the Bulls who are a bit more well-rounded, but similarly, like, you know, remember like when DeRozan got traded 
at, at the end of this past summer, I saw so many pieces that were just like, this is the stupidest tr- like mistake. Right. What a tr- like what a, what a disaster, yeah. like what are the bulls thinking? And I think even if you liked the trade and believed in DeMar in Chicago, you thought this team might need a season to sort of figure right. it out and figure out how right. everybody fits. Like, um, but they've, figured it out like right away. Like they, they were kind of ripe for it. Um, and, and like the Cavs too, like that's, a, that's kind of exactly the, the same place the Cavs are at. So, and I mean the Raptors, I, I know, like I always try and steer away from the Raptors because I know we have a clear bias, <laughs> but like same thing, like with the Raptors, it's like any win seems like a bonus this season. So if we right. make it to the playoffs, that's a great bonus. But all to say that like these teams in the East that are structured, that were structured to maybe be competitive a season from now that are showing up competitive now, I think the real like danger to competitors is that teams like that don't know that they can't do it. Like teams like that don't know that they shouldn't be in the position that they're in. They're just, you know, very happy to be there. And if they can keep the momentum up, we'll just be, I don't know, like really tough, like really tough to beat. So I could actually see the bulls coming out of the East it would be a challenge for them to beat the Bucks because I think the Bucks are like on a fast track to get back there. But I mean, if they continue to sort of grow and gel at the rate that they have been this season, I could see it being the Bulls. I think it'll probably be, I just have a, I just like the war. I just feel like it's always going to be the Warriors, <laughs> you know, like I want it to be the Suns, but I feel like it will be the Warriors again, just because of like what we're seeing this season. But I don't know. It's like it's a very exciting overall, all to say, is a very exciting time, I think, to just like be an NBA fan because there's so much good and really interesting basketball night after night. And that's even with like, I hate what's happening in the league with COVID. Like I'm such like a critic of like, I don't know why the hell they did not. Well, I know it's money, but like why they did not stop the season at a time when they wanted everybody to like when everyone had COVID, like just stop it for two weeks. But all that aside, the basketball is really good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's so funny. We complain about it, and then we sit there and we still watch these I these know. games. Like, I, I feel like such a hypocrite. Like We're I'm hypocrites. like Adam Silver's yeah. going to hell, but I'm I'm watching it every night. So, I mean, um, yeah, I it's it's I'm so interested to see how this season ends because I think it's just been a really interesting season with very unique challenges mm-hmm. um, and teams that we didn't think would emerge as quickly as they have like the Cavs, like the Bulls um, they're in a really great position right now so um, I'm just curious to see who actually comes out of the East because uh, at the beginning of the season I thought for sure it would be the Heat and then mm-hmm. now the Bulls just look like they're running with it. So, um, and then you can't, you know, you can't, you you can't ignore the Bucks. You know, um, Giannis is the best player, arguably in the league right now. Have KD, so you never like. There's just so many different ways this could go. Yeah. And um, I really enjoyed the playoffs last season, so I'm very curious to see how everything plays out and how protocols um come into play this this season as well um for the for the playoffs so we we shall see we shall see what's funny is that in that whole 
like spiel about the East. I just totally skipped the nets. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, whoops. Like, Irene might come back and actually do his job at some point. So maybe that's not something that we can, um, well, I don't know. I doubt it, but let's, let's pretend that he actually wants to play basketball. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he, there's there's always the option that he'll, he'll play more than one game in the playoffs, you know? Then the Nets look really, really, really good. So, yeah, I don't know. We'll, we'll see, see what happens. We shall yeah, see. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Um, moving on to our, our, our dime, our dime of the week. Um, I'm going to do a really annoying play on words, but Sandy, coin toss. Maybe you're taught you're tossing a dime, but for you, because um, I want we're going to bring her back to the Raptors. Has that been Pascal's return and the way that he's looked so far in this way that I think Raptors fans have wanted to see from him for like two seasons? Like this is the Pascal that you know we were promised, <laughs> or yeah. uh, is it Fred VanVleet and the way that Fred has just come out like? as an offensive, like juggernaut, basically. Juggernaut. Like, yeah. It's like catch and shoot three percentage is off the charts. Just like how clean his shots are. I trust him taking those shots. Um, but yeah, who is it for you? <laughs> yeah. The rim, which I never thought he would be able to do. Goodness gracious. I mean, I think I have to go with Fred because we're trying to get him into the all-star game. Um, and uh, unfortunately, Pascal, I think it's too late to make a push for you. Um, and words are kind of covered there. So we're gonna, I'm gonna go with Fred because if you know me, you know that I, I wasn't anti-Fred, but I was, I think we, sh- I think Fred is a shooting guard. And right. I was very much on that, that wave. He, his spot up threes are ridiculous um, getting off ball is great, but for him to initiate an offense, do that. I don't think he can orchestrate the offense the way that we need a point guard to do. We spent years watching Kyle do, did not think that able to fill those shoes and he's done it. He's like, he's done it. Granted, we were playing against the G League jazz the other night but the fact that he was able in the third quarter to just completely take over in a way that I've only ever really seen Kawhi Leonard do, um, which again, I'm still mad about game five. We almost won that until Nicholas Nurse decided to sit Kawhi Leonard, but that's besides the point. I'm going on a tangent. (laughs) The fact that Fred was able to take over the way that he did, was able to orchestrate the offense the way that he he did. He was able to, to get assists, get everybody else kind of playing as well. It wasn't a matter of him just hogging the ball. It was he, he was making sure that he was making the right passes. I'm just so impressed, like with his his growth this season. Um, we always knew that the shooting was there. Um, I had no question about it, but I think he's made an effort to 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 make sure that he includes everybody in the offense and he he gets everybody else running, which is something that Kyle had that I did not think Fred had because he's very much a shoot first point guard. Mm -hmm. Um, But he's just added so much to his game. Just even his finishing at 
like had you told me last season that he would you know be a little bit more um disconcerting about like when he decides to drive to the rim and attempt to finish it against a 6-8 fucking person who's defending him I would have said absolutely not Fred feels like he's the best player on the floor at any given time and he's going to take that shot whether it makes sense or not but he's made an effort to be a lot more intelligent but when he does that like if he needs to be off ball he is if he needs to be assisting to make sure that a score Pascal or you know a camp um, gets included in the offense he does that like he's just been everything that we needed from point guard and he's become Fred's I mean he's become Kyle's like I don't want to say he's become Kyle but he's he's become Kyle (laughs) (laughs) you know I'm I'm so pleasantly like surprised and excited for Fred I cannot wait to see what that means going into the playoffs Mm -hmm. um, because his game has developed quite a bit um I shout out to you Fred I'm sorry for being a hater you've um you completely have shut me up I will never slander you again I'll try to never slander you again and thank you for making this season super exciting for me because I did not think that this is the Fred that we would see and I'm gonna shut up now no I I mean like those are all excellent and very true points that I don't think that I don't know it's tough with Fred because a part of it just feels inevitable right like his game you can't even be like oh this is like a like a whole new game for him because it's like you if you watched him through the past you know three seasons I think that all these skills were already baked in he was just kind of waiting for the time the right time to deploy them you know and to like you talked a little bit about his his reads but I think his like read of the game overall has been like what's so impressive to me like he's always been a player that's like not hurried he lets the game come to him but now he's kind of creating that space and especially with like such a young team and like like a rookie like Scotty Barnes you got and like I don't know a new guy like Gary none of them look rushed like nobody looks rushed on the floor everybody is just like calm you know like a lot of patience. They look like a much more complete team than they really should be at this point. And I think all of that has to do with Fred Van Vliet and basically just like his overall control of the game. I love to see just like the offensive capabilities now, because I think he doesn't, he's not shouldering the whole team in the way that he had to have the, for the past like month, two months right now that he's got his teammates back. He's just, I feel like he's kind of just like, you know, wiping his hands of it. And he's like, thanks. Like I can now be free to like, go take these shots. Like this is what I've had my eye on like all along. (laughs) And I I think what's great is that you could tell, like, even if he doesn't have a good first half, he'll always make up for it in the second half. And I've become so comfortable expecting Fred to take over. And that's just not something that I thought, I would feel going into this season, you know? Um, so it's just, it's, he's just been a delight and, you know, vote for Fred Van Vliet yeah. for the NBA All-Stars, guys. Vote we need to Fred. get him, like, even if the votes don't, aren't necessarily going to be the thing that gets him there, we want to show our appreciation as Raptors fans um, and, and show that we see him. Like, his story is probably the most interesting 
um, story in the NBA to go undrafted to potentially being an all-star and being the number one option on your team. That's, that's, that's a crazy story. And I think mm-hmm. he, he deserves, deserves to be there because he's carried this team. His, the plus minus numbers when Fred is on and off the court is ridiculous. He's like second behind like Steph Curry. Yeah. Like Steph yeah. is one. <laughs> and Fred is two. So um, like our team will literally be in the dumps. <laughs> like we'll be the Pelicans. <laughs> we'll be the Pelicans without Frederick Van Vliet. So please just show him some some attention and some appreciation because the, well, he's killing himself. Okay, he's that number is one killing in himself. Minutes um, played in, in minute. the entire NBA. Yeah, yeah. So like he is, so, he is. His legs are gonna fall yeah, off. So let's get him the All Star before that happens. Let's get him the All Star game. <laughs> Hashtag Fred Van Vliet, hashtag NBA All-Stars, guys. Let's go. So we've got some listener questions. Um, You've posted here in the chat, Sandy. Do you want me to read this first one or do you want to read it? Um, I'll read it. Um, You know, we we said uh, for the mailbag that you can, you know, um, you can ask us anything. And apparently you guys are taking that to heart because... I like it. I don't know the, the context of this question. I yeah. do not know. Um, this question comes from um, Kate. Shout out to Kate. Um, I love you lots. Um, thank you for listening. Uh, so the question is, if your ex-boyfriend invites you furniture shopping for his new condo and then to a block party afterwards, what sort of ideas are you going to get about their interest in rekindling the relationship? Mm-hmm. Is this an asking for a friend or is this? <laughs> That's what I'm trying to figure out. Is yeah. it you or is it like <laughs> happening to someone that you know? Um, Look, I don't invite my ex places unless I'm trying to get it in. Like, first of all, why, like, why are you? going furniture shopping with someone like that's a very intimate thing i feel like putting furniture in your home and asking the person for advice on the furniture they're going to put you the furniture you're going to put in your home is a very like intimate thing and i don't think you just take anyone furniture shopping because it's boring so i i would assume that he's he he he's trying to rekindle something I don't know if it's a relationship, but he's trying to rekindle something. Yeah. To me, also, I need to, I think the context of this that's missing for me is, is this like your most recent ex or is this an ex between exes and now you've like established a better relationship? But to me, if this is a recent ex, why? It's a bit, it's a bit of alarm bells that for their new place, they want you to pick stuff out that they should be having kind of a fresh start. Like, wouldn't you just want a fresh start? I wouldn't want, I wouldn't want any sense of like them in and around even my stuff. Like stuff, I know we like value stuff too much as a society, whatever, but like stuff in your own place is important. You're around it all the time, especially now you're locked down. (laughs) You're like in your apartment (laughs) nonstop. I don't think, one, I don't think you should be going furniture shopping. Why don't they have friends? To me, that's also like a bit of a red flag. Like that's, that's what your friends point. are for. They should ask their friends. Um, and then to a, the block party part, it's kind of like, 
what are you getting out of that? You know, like, unless you share mutual friends and you'll have mutual friends there, it's like, it's too much of like an out and about event, right? Who are you going to see? Does this this person want, this to me seems like this person wants to be seen with their ex, not the asker. The ex wants to be seen with the question asker. Right. Because like, if you don't have mutual friends, then the only person you're going to be talking to is your ex at that block party. Yeah. So it's like, unless his intention is for you guys to spend the entire like party of partying it up and drinking together and talking and then eventually going back to the apartment where you chose the furniture. I just don't necessarily <laughs> like there is no other reason for you guys to be spending all this time together. He's an ex mm-hmm. for a reason. Mm-hmm. You no know, exes should remain exes. If you- um, unless you of course want yeah. to rekindle something. Yeah. That's its Uh, own thing. But I would say the diplomatic way to get out of this, if that's what you're hoping for, send some links to things that you think they would like, you know, on like Mm -hmm. just on the, like just on a website and then just say, good luck. Here's a couch. Good luck. Yeah. (laughs) Sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah. uh, Yeah. He's definitely trying to rekindle something. There is no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Yeah. I don't. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, I hope that helps. Uh, thanks, Kate, for the question. Um, that That's funny. I, I'm going to ask you what the context is because I, I'm, I'm yeah, very confused. Yeah, I need to know. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> need to know. Uh, appreciate you. Love you. Thank you for listening. Um, we do have another question, and it's to do with the All-Star um, voting. Um, and uh, we were asked, uh, should we demand to have two all-stars. Um, I don't know. Uh, we could demand yes, it. It but doesn't like, mean that it's gonna, I don't know if it's going to do anything. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's funny, right? Like, this is, like, I, I was part of a spaces earlier this week, um, and, you know, there was a question about why do the Raptors fans care so much about narrative? Why is narrative important? It's not that important. And I think narrative is very important because if we could get the narrative out there that Pascal, who has a great story, is playing like the Pascal that we were um, hoping for, um, I think we could actually have an argument for getting both Fred and Pascal in the in the um, in the All Star game, but because unfortunately, as a smaller smaller, and I'm saying that with quotations, market um, as a part of a team um, that doesn't necessarily have a lot of sway when it comes to narrative, and people don't really pay attention, it's really hard to kind of make those arguments. For me, I realized how hilarious it was when Lamarcus Aldridge had more votes than Fred Van Vliet. Mm-hmm. Like that shows you how um, important narrative is for fan voting. Um, so yes, we, we, we should demand two all-stars. Uh, are we going to get two all-stars? No. Like it's hard enough trying to get Fred in. Um, don't split your vote. Um, let's get Fred in and then let's hope Pascal has a crazy playoff run. Um, and, then 
you know, we could we could try again next year, but I, I don't I don't think we could split the vote. You know, I, I I know I sound very like liberal right now, and it's disgusting, and I'm embarrassed. Um, you know, but don't split don't split the vote. Okay. Guys? Yeah, I was gonna say um, like strategic yeah, voting. That's, that's my answer. Strategic voting in in politics is stupid, and I don't think really works. And I that's something to keep in mind here. Is like don't don't split it. Just vote for Fred. Also, I will take issue with like one. I think narrative is a bad word in in basketball for no good reason. I think it's really been twisted yeah. into like people are very afraid of it when like narrative yeah. is one of the most like narrative in general as a concept is one of the most compelling things about professional sports, about, okay. certainly about the NBA and like why you love players and their success arcs, team success arcs. Like that's all narrative. I hate to break it to you, but Right. I'll also say in an all-star context, that's all it is. Like player, <laughs> like look at the players that are consistently on all-star ballots season over season. They're on right. winning teams, huge marquee teams. Like that's all narrative. Like again, I don't want to be the first person breaking this to you, but like that's why the Raptors, like that's why it is so hard to get or like a Raptors player onto that list, you know, especially when you think of how many people, like if you're thinking of like a country voting for Fred Van Vliet versus like the way that the vote is split for, you know, all these other players that are residing in the United States, like that is all narrative that is compelling people to vote a a certain way. Um, So that's, I guess I don't, (laughs) that didn't answer the question, but that's my (laughs) issue. Maybe that's my issue with like the overarching structure of all-star voting, but um, I'll agree with you, Sandy. I think we should, we can demand it. Nothing will happen. So let us just focus on Fred. Let's focus on Fred. He deserves it. He's killing himself. And mm-hmm. that's, that's already gotten, you know, his all-star um, appearance. Exactly. So he had his chance. You no, know, let's give Fred another, another shot here. Uh or a, a shot, not even another, a yeah, shot. Here. First shot. Uh, <laughs> and uh, he deserves it, man. Like he's been carrying the team. Um, and that's not to say that Pascal isn't playing fantastic and that there isn't an argument there. There definitely is, but let's, let's just get Fred there. It's, it's mm-hmm. hard enough trying to get Fred there. Uh, so, yeah. yeah, let's get like the most, one of the most like uh, deserving never brags, does not like talk about himself, does usually not like accolades. What I really love is that Fred now is like, no, I fuck, I want the accolades. Like he's like, I want to go to All-Star. Yeah. So you know and how he deserves he it. it. Yeah. And he, he absolutely right. deserves it. Like he wasn't even willing to talk bad about the fans because he's like, you know what? Y'all are voting yeah. for me. So. All-Star votes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he's just like, yo, All-Star votes. Like, I haven't yeah, said anything like, crazy. Now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he wants it. He wants Want it real bad and he deserves it. I, I think he probably deserves it more than you know a lot of players. <coughs> Kyrie on the list right now. So <laughs> let's just get him there, guys. Let's, let's get, him, get there. him there. Yeah. Let's, uh, get him there. let's get him there. Um it's a good way to end the show this week. Sandy, thank you. Uh everybody else. Well, thanks for your questions. Continue to send us uh vaguely personal questions where you need oh my dog is choking. Vaguely personal questions that you may need uh, advice for. Happy to answer those. Your basketball questions, you can keep those coming. 
Um, the email address for those is in the Dishes and Dimes profile uh, on Twitter. But until next time, vote. <laughs> vote Fred, guys. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Bye.